Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Well, hello there. You're listening to Pop Tea on Soho Radio. In due course, your source of incredible music, engaging entertainment, source, oh, hello, yeah, source, and exciting information about films and stuff. Isn't that true? And poo, not about poo, not about poo. Hey, you know, look, I've got, for some of this recording, I'm going to have my children in the studio with me, so don't cut it. Right, so the voice... Cut, not cut me, leave me alone. The voice you're now hearing is me, Matthew Richardson. And about to join me in joining you is the equally astounding Alison Dennis. Ah, hello. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? How have things been in your household? We've been home educating here, so it's been an interesting and somewhat stressful four weeks since I last spoke to you. Pretty much the opposite. The, the most challenging thing I've been getting up to is getting on top of the Satsumas going off. You know, check them occasionally. Sometimes they've gone off. I like it when I go in the fridge and I find a Satsuma or a Clementine, which you think, that's oh, going to be long gone. And actually, it's still good. And not just good, it's great. And you're like, this is this is amazing. What a treat. I'm harrowed by the fact that you keep them in the fridge. But also, it's a bit of a mystery. How long do they last? How long are you supposed to wait until you can't eat them anymore? Because I leave a long time. Same with apples. How long is long? Well, you know, it goes into months sometimes, I think. And I'm still like, this apple's probably good. This is fine. Yeah, as long as you've got the leaf on it, it's probably all right. You can keep them. Keep them in apple stores and stuff. <laughs> Look, we're at home educating at the moment, Alison, as we discussed. Oh, so we're an epicenter for discord in the household at the moment. Oh dear, this is your children. You've got two young children. You're teaching them at home. Yes. Well, I, to be fair, I'm not doing a great deal of the teaching. But we'll get we'll get into that later on. But yeah. So I wanted to play something to not only get us pogoing around our respective front rooms, but also to give us food for four on how we conduct ourselves going forward. Us. Mmm, sounds delicious. Food for thought. <laughs> exactly. Some lovely, tasty four food. Give me some bites. So I've got for you, right? Are you ready to get loose to a polite dance? Yes. A polite dance song. This is a polite dance song, although it's a totally rude remix of a polite dance song from The Bird and the Bee. So there's no kicking dads in asses whilst they're getting down and pogoing to this. <laughs> Are we on agreement on that? Is from... that a problem in your house, Matt? Oh, man, there's not a day that goes by when I can't risk getting kicked in the arse at some point. Oh, dear. It's like my bum is just a big target that floats around the room waiting for someone to pound Well, it. I have said that about you in the past, behind your back. Yeah, well, it's happening behind my back, in front of my... <laughs> just my back is a target, it's terrible. That's 2021 for you. Mm-hmm. Right? And we're all targets now. Anyway, boom. One doesn't want to complain, do you know what I mean? Things are not as bad as all that, but Jesus. January. 
You're allowed to complain. January Allison. January Jones. What's she like? <laughs> I don't know what she's like. What is she like? Probably a very nice woman, I don't know. Maybe, but she's just named after a horrible month. <laughs> Maybe she's nice, but her parents are the ones that we have got a problem with. Anyway, <laughs> that's enough about parents for now. Hey, so how was lockdown life? Did you enjoy the snow? Did you have fun in the snow? I saw the snow through the window. Was it a magical experience? Uh, that's about as far as it went. I brought the succulents in because I'm very worried about these succulents. They belong to my landlady. A load of them died during the beast from the east. Oh. And it was a, a harrowing time for me. Hey, harrowing for you. Harrowing for the succulents as well, I imagine. That's not fun. Well, yeah, I hope it was quick, but I don't think it was. <laughs> Just a long, drawn-out demise. Well, that's enough on that subject as well. That's not nice. Are you excited about what we've got to talk about this month? Oh, yes, yes. We've got the 90th birthday of a late flowering silent classic. We've got the 25th anniversary of a prescient piece of... Well, it's a prescient piece of something. <laughs> we've got that to discuss. But before we get that, should we have a palate cleanser? Mm, sounds nice. To just get our current situation out of our system. A little oral sorbet. Well, I wouldn't say it's an oral sorbet. It's more an oral sore, but it's going to get it all out of the way, all of our frustration about what's going down in the world. I'm not interested in an oral sore. I want an oral sorbet. Play it, play it, and let's see what happens. Well, look, what you're hearing now in the background, yeah, if you're up with your 80s scar, you're hearing Fun Boy Freeze cover version of the theme from Margaret Rutherford's Miss Marple movie, Murder, She Said. <laughs> but it's also the lead-in track from Fun Boy Freeze's second album. And if you know that, then you also know that it's about to lead into Oh, I love a bit of Fun Boy 3. That's quite a politically overt song, doesn't it, really? Oh, well, maybe I didn't listen to all the lyrics. I thought it was just a harmless song about murders. What? No, that's murder. I'm talking about The More I See. Ah. It relates to our current sitch. And now we can't believe everything we see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, the man's sticking it to the man's, bums to the man's, that sort of business. Oh, my goodness, those are harsh words, Matt. Did it make you feel like saying bums to the man's? No, I would never say that. Really? No, that sort of language is beyond my remit. If you were angry at the man's, Alison, and you wanted to say something to put the man's in their place, what would you say then if you weren't going to say bums to them? Oh, my goodness, I'd probably, you know, I'd probably... Two! <laughs> Two to you, man's! No, I mean, I think in many ways that's even worse. worse I mean, I would, I would just have to hope that they would guess my attitude from my demeanour. But I wouldn't want to go further than you that. You would just give them a pensive stare. <laughs> yes, exactly. Pensive stare to the man. Hey, that's being polite, like our opening song. So that's good. We should keep mm -hmm. this politeness mm -hmm. going. Okay. What have you been up to and what have you been watching? Oh. How the month treated you in terms of content you've absorbed? Well, a big regret this month is that the other day there was an online event for the 30th anniversary of the British Empire. Yeah. And I was excited about it. It, but I forgot to tune in, oh. so I missed it. I think you made a smart move there. No, shut up. Absolutely no downplaying the British Empire. I'm absolutely serious on this. It's a massively underappreciated ensemble gem. 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 And I'm not even going to... I'm not it's a gem. even joking there. I'm going to brock no downplaying the British Empire because I think it's had enough of it. Who is in the British Empire apart from Chris Barry? You see, I call them all by their names in the show because I was so young when I saw it. But the one who plays Mrs. Britus was also in Green Wing and various other things. She's a fantastic actress. Okay. The woman who played the receptionist is in Absolutely Fabulous a lot. Was it Julius Wahala? It absolutely not wasn't but I can't remember because I didn't mean to talk about this I'm so sorry hey, also well, I've been enjoying let's not dwell on that one then that sounds like a painful situation oh yeah well it's a situation of regret oh. I, I blame myself hey let's not worry about regret also I've been watching I've been quite enjoying so far this thing on Netflix which everybody else has probably seen already I'm late to the party it's called call my agent 
call my agent? It's French. <gasps> the original title is 10%, which really isn't very hard to translate, so I don't know why they didn't stick with that. 10%. 10%. Uh, that's how much an agent gets. They should have just kept the original title. Yeah. It's built as a comedy drama. I would say it's more a light-hearted drama. It's a drama, but it's not miserable, which is great by me. Is it laugh out loud funny, or is it just, oh, that made me chuckle? It's a bit of the latter, which is fine. It's some chuckle, some French fun. It's become a bit of a cult hit over the years. It's into its fourth series now, and I think that might be the last series. It's set in an office, right. agent's office in Paris. Like theatrical agents? Yes. They are agents to the stars. Agents to the stars. To movie stars. Mm -hmm. And every episode, a real-life actor or actress plays themselves. <sighs> almost a heightened version of themselves or a silly version of themselves hey. and comes in and really commits to the part. I think that's the one of the main selling points. Of so it's it like a sexy French extras without all the inappropriate stuff. You're adding in the sexy there. Hey, they're French, so they're going to be sexy. You're making an assumption, which is a correct assumption in this case. The extent of my research into Call My Agent was to look at the Wikipedia page and I saw all the famous French movie stars and not just French movie stars. Well, exactly. The reason I started watching it was because I saw this article on the BBC in which Sigourney Weaver says that she took a role in it without even reading the script. She was that excited because she thought it's going to be a delight. I'm going to go and film in France and I'm going to get to speak in French, which she can do fluently, apparently. Sigourney Weaver, very clever woman. She's appeared in some French films, I think, in the 80s. Ah, well, well done, Sigourney Weaver. I wish I could speak French fluently. But yes, that's one of the reasons I'm watching it, to be honest, because Duolingo is enough fun by itself but then it's limitations you know you don't get to listen to the little idioms that people speak you don't get to hear entire conversations so I thought improve yourself Alice and watch this French series and I can't recommend it highly enough it's fun there's some great characters in there. The selling point of the celebs every week, even though some of them you wouldn't have heard of if you're not really up to date on all the French actors, it's still very entertaining. I recommend this as a nice lockdown treat. Hey, there's somebody called Joey Star. Joey Star. I don't know who that is. It's like the French Zoella. No, it's not. He doesn't look anything like the French Zoella. Anyway, um, there's Isabella Ajani. She's in it. Juliet Binoche. She's going to be in it too. Oh, can't wait. Monica Bellucci's in season three. Beatrice Dahl. And there's Sigourney Weaver. Hey, man, Sigourney Weaver doesn't turn up till season four. Well, exactly, yeah. As I said. Hey, there's Joey Stars in it for the second time. So you can familiarise yourself with Joey Star and what he's all about. I'm looking forward to that. And Jean Reno. <gasps> oh, and one of my personal favourites, Charlotte Gainsbourg. You see, they don't play exactly themselves. They always play themselves, but with a bit of a weird difference. It's a lot of fun, I imagine, for them to do. So I wonder how they're all going to come across. That's why I was saying maybe it's a little bit like extras. No, exactly. No, you're quite right. Kate Winslet. And Patrick Stewart playing like fun versions of themselves. Exactly, you're quite there right. You go. All right, well, cool. Well, look, I, I should check that out too. If I had Netflix, maybe it's available <laughs> on Art or something like that. <laughs> I can watch it on there. Maybe. Oh, the good thing about Netflix, if like me, you're trying to learn French with Duolingo during lockdown, is that you can change the subtitles from English to French <gasps> and then you can try and understand them from that. I do this with the girls, you know. When we're watching, for example, My Nebe Totoro or something like that, sometimes I'll put it in Japanese with English subtitles, sometimes I'll put it in French with English subtitles. I once wanted to watch Ooh. Ratatouille in French with English subtitles wasn't on the disc. Well, was it ever in French? They must have done a French version of Ratatouille. I suppose so. It's set in Paris. It is, but they're all drawings, you know. They're not real French people. There isn't really a rat that can cook. No, what? Stop trying to use rodents in your kitchen. It's unsanitary 
and is not whimsical. Anything can happen in France and Paris, especially. I thought that was a true story. And if it's not a true story, then I don't want to know. It's just drawings, Matt. We were talking earlier about education and stuff. You can see that's one of the many things I try and do at home to educate my kids and thing, play them mm. English language films in French. I mean, oh. Or sometimes I can play, I'll play them a French film. Oh, yeah. I, I'm going to now play a track, Alison, that is for all fellow parents out there that are going through the fun of homeschooling at the moment. I feel your pain. And this is my gift to you. Because I, I imagine that most parents are feeling guilty about how it's been going. Have they been devoting enough time to the kids? Have they got the balance right? Are the kids falling behind? Are the parents falling behind? Can you be at peace with the fact that you're falling behind? Maybe you're not falling behind. Can you be at peace with the fact that you're not falling behind whilst all the other people are falling behind? Can you be at peace in any shape or form in this current environment? I don't know. I don't know at all. What do you think? My behind is falling. Oh, I thought sorry, that was a rhetorical question. Let's not get back to behind That's why I need again. to do more squats. Just tighten it up. Tighten it up. Tighten it all up. Tighten it up, man. Yeah. I've decided that we should devote this area of the show to something educational, to do our bit for the cause. Do you think that's a good idea, doing our bit for the cause? Mm, lovely. You could do some squats whilst we do our bit for the cause as well. I worry my headphones will get in the way, but I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go for you, Matt. Okay. Are you ready to play the track? I'll do the squats. Well, do a test squat and see what happens. Yeah. How does that feel? It feels... <laughs> Feel the burn. I need to engage my core more, Matt. We all need to engage our cores more. Which track is this? This is Maroon by Ken Nordine. Did you enjoy this one when I played it to you earlier? It reminded me of, who are those brothers? You see, I can't think and squat at the same time. That's what you need to perfect. Scott Walker. Scott Walker. It's reminded me of Scott Walker in a little way. Squat Walker. Squat Walker. This kind of sounds like a freeform poetry track. This is from a whole album of jazz poems about colours, which I think spun off from this guy Ken Nordine he did the voiceover for some paint commercials to go on the radio and someone said this is a good idea we like these why don't you do a whole album about colours so he did a whole album about colours and this colour is what Alison it's maroon Matt it's maroon so look pay attention because I'm going to ask you some questions about this when we get back think of the times the number of times Maroon. What an exciting word maroon is. You know, in Australia, yeah. I don't know if they all do, or maybe it's something they stopped doing, but they used to at least say maroon instead of maroon. They used to say maroon? Maroon? In Melbourne, at least, it was maroon. Yeah. Don't paint any more buildings maroon. It's, I don't know why. <laughs> exactly. So that whole song wouldn't work. If you played it in Melbourne, probably in the past, maybe not so much now. Maroon used to be an insult as well. There's Bugs Bunny cartoons where he says, what a maroon. Yeah. What a maroon. I hope that wasn't some sort of obscure racial epithet. I hope not. But I think it was just like a random weird insult, wasn't it? So did you get all the rhymes for maroon in there, Alison? Can you pick them all up? Well, I was supposed to be making notes of them. I didn't tell you you were supposed to make notes, but I made notes. Oh, did you? I want to hear all the maroon rhymes that he came up with. Old Ken. I mean, I've got nothing better to do. nothing better to do. Right, so June, croon, tune, orange moon, crazy loon. That's a bit dubious. Spoon, spoon, be just shout out buffoon. Silver spoon, noon, soon, platoon, cartoon, monsoon, lampoon, spittoon, baboon, macaroon, buffoon. Be just said, afternoon, opportune, pantaloon and immune. They're all immune. That's a good one for 2021. Oh, lovely. Can you think of any rhymes for maroon that you might have missed, Alison? Honeymoon. Honeymoon. That's a good one. Any more? Saskatoon. Is that a place? Saskatchewan. There's no Saskatchewan. You say that, but then the poor people who live there are screaming there at the radio. Do you want to hear some more ones? Hey, Tabs, are you coming in here? Oh, <laughs> Hang on. Come on then, over that side. 
Over that side. This is ridiculous. Oh, Walloon, the language that they speak in parts of Luxembourg. Walloon? Walloon. Is that true? Yeah. I like Walloon. That's a good one. I've got some down here. Do you want to hear some more as well? Harpoon? <laughs> Harpoon. We've just been joined. For this educational slot, I've just been joined by my five-year-old, Tabitha. Can you give me your opinion of these Hello. as we go through? Hang on. I'm going to swap sides so we can hear it. So you want to stick that in? Harpoon. Harpoon. <laughs> Typhoon. Oh, yeah. Raccoon. That's a good one, yeah. Cocoon. What's in a cocoon? What do you get Papoon. in a cocoon? Papoon. I don't know if that's a real one. What do you get in a cocoon, Tabs? Uh, butterfly. Butterfly. That's not actually true. Moths that are in cocoons, butterflies are in chrysalises. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh. This recently. Oh. Saloons, swoon, zoon, oh. goon, boon, hewn. Like from Sloon. Do you like no, snoon? Snoon? Mm. There's no snoon. snoon. There's no snoon as far as I'm aware. Splatoon. Splatoon. There you go. I was going to say that. You're going to say Splatoon? Oh, well, you missed a chance for that one. <laughs> Chickadoon. Chickadoon. Do you want to know what the longest soon word is you can have? Uh, go on. The longest 13 letters. Contrabassoon. Ah, oh, type of instrument there. Do you know what you've all missed? Sloon. What's the best oon of all? Soon. Soon. Like, I'm going to have cake soon. No. <laughs> Balloon. Oh, I thought he said that in the song. Did he, he not? He didn't say balloon in the song. Can you believe he missed balloon? <laughs> yeah, I, I can't believe it. I genuinely thought he didn't. Wow. This has been very educational, hasn't it? That's been educational. Oh, before we leave this, and Tabs is going to leave us oh, now, can I ask you, Tabs, apart from balloon, what's your favourite oon? Tune. Tune. Do you want to hear a tune about the moon? No. No? <laughs> no, space. Space. Do you, I'm going to play you a tune about the moon. Are you happy with that? <laughs> So we've just come back from playing a B-52s track called There's a Moon in the Sky. Love the B-52s. Did you enjoy that one? Uh, okay, off record, Matt. I don't remember this being in the list. I don't remember any B-52s. There's a moon in the sky. <laughs> oh, no. There's a bit where he starts shouting Uranus. Oh, wonderful. He just goes, Uranus! And then she's going, Mercury! And he's going, Uranus! Wonderful. Saturn! Uranus! It's a work <laughs> of genius. This is your penchant for obscure B-52s, which yeah. I suppose, because I don't know very much about music in general, all the B-52s have made me obscure. Me. There's a real obscurity attached to this one. They did a re-recording of it in 1983 called There's a Moon 1983. I listened to that thinking, that'll be good. It was not good. Don't listen to that. Listen to the original. So we're now going to do some lookbacks, some significant anniversaries for the month of February 2021. Oh, look back, Matt. Look back. Look back. Don't look back in anger. Look back in joy and happiness and with an open heart. Look back over your shoulder in a sort of cheeky way. So last month was a big one for one of the seminal figures from film history. One of those carved in rock ones. It was Charlie Chaplin. 100 years ago in January 1921, his first feature film, The Kid, was released. Oh, his full, yeah, first full length. First is full that? length feature film. Wow. That came out in the UK in March 1921, so nearly 100 years ago. I do remember talking about this because Jackie Coogan was in it, yes. Uncle Fester. Good old Uncle Fester. Later that year, in 1921, Chaplin visited London for the first time since he'd become absurdly famous. Ooh. And the reception was just completely insane. Proper Beatles take that, Bay City Rollers type thing with crowds. Keith Chegwin, yeah. Just like Cheggers, just like Cheggers. And he was also in town 10 years later in February 1931 for the London premiere of his 1931 film, City Lights. Now, City Lights was a total 
anomaly when it was released. Can you remember why that was, Alison? 1931 was a time when famously the latest thing was to have everybody talking in films. Well, not just the latest thing. That was the only thing, pretty much. That was like, oh, watch this film. Somebody talks in it. Somebody talks. And so that was the main thing. People would go to the cinema to see talkies. And what was Charlie Chaplin doing? Silenties. Knocking out a silenty, exactly, yeah. The industry had pretty much completely eradicated silence by this point. No one was making standalone silent films. Exactly. It's like me going out now to the three store, asking for an upgrade, and then giving me a smartphone and me saying, no, I want a Nokia 3310. I want to get Snake on it. Well, look, they still released silent films at this point. For example, also out in February 1931 was the Bella Lugosi version of Dracula. That's 90 years old Mm. this month. Universal Studios also produced a silent version with titles that would be released to hick towns and parts of the world that didn't have talking pictures yet. So when he says, the creatures of the night, they'd have a title that would say, the creatures of the night on it. That's quite a good idea, because as we know, the weak point with talkies was you couldn't be international anymore. Silence was so easy to export. You just put different languages on the title cards. Well, that's one of the key things about Chaplin, ultimately, is that he was probably one of the most exportable performers. I think he's probably still unique, not just in cinema history, but there's never been another figure like Chaplin that was so international, so world-renowned. I have to take issue with you there, Matt. Mr Bean. Mr Bean. Charlie Chaplin and Mr Bean. The secret is, don't talk and the whole world loves you. There you go. They stand alone up there on the pinnacle. There, There really isn't somebody who could release a film and be guaranteed such an audience. Even today we have film stars that are huge and they still can release films that people will resoundly ignore. But that wasn't ever going to happen during Chaplin's golden period. He would release a film and everyone would bundle to the cinema to see it. I think depressingly the modern equivalent is Transformers because that's very, very exportable and incredibly popular. Everybody around the world watches Transformers. The viewing figures, you can't argue with them. The box office, because it's a robot, you can just dub in any old voice. Well, exactly. And it's, but well, like we were saying, to a certain extent, Disney films could be as international as that because you can just not have to worry too much about the sinking and stuff. We can say that from a historical perspective, he wasn't actually that crazy or mad releasing a silent film in 1931. At least, you know, I think so. But we can have a think about that whilst I set the scene by playing something that was recorded in February 1931, so 90 years ago. Would you like to hear the three jinxes with Lady Play Your Mandolin. Sounds good. You're going to play your mandolin whilst we listen to it? I left it at home, Matt. <laughs> you are at home. Oh, well, there's that excuse gone. Damn lockdown. Right, so there you go. Do you feel suitably 1930s now? I do, and I'm also quite relieved that you didn't play that 1930s track that we've both heard where that man sings about his girlfriend's uh, pet cat. Yes. Because I don't think that would be suitable for a Sunday. Oh gosh, what was that one called? It was about his... I, I don't want to say. My wife's pussy, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't his wife. Well, whose pussy was it? It was his my girl's. My girl's pussy. My girl's. Oh, hey, mm. well... The 30s were not all prim and proper listeners. Far from it, far from it. Yeah, they need to have some polite dance songs. Neither was Charlie Chaplin. No, he was a saucy fellow. So, speaking of Charlie Chaplin, yeah, right? So, 90 years ago, City Lights premiered in old London town at the Dominion Theatre which whenever I think of the Dominion Theatre, it'll all be emblazoned with We Will Blink and Rock You on the front of it for some reason. <laughs> oh, of course, that's the one on the it's corner, on the isn't corner. it? Yeah, it's still there. <gasps> so City Lights, it starred, was produced by, was written by, was directed by. It had the music composed by 
By whom? <laughs> Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler, not Adam Sandler. Is it Charlie Chaplin? It's Charlie Chaplin. Ah. Just for those of you that may not be fully aware of Charlie Chaplin, he was London born, born in what, 1889? Very near me, down in South East London. Exactly, down East Street, very near Kennington Bioscope, really, you know. Yeah, that workhouse was very handy for him, you could say exactly. that. Yeah, just around the corner. That's the one pro to being yeah, in the workhouse. Yeah. Not much of a commute. Look, I don't like the workhouse, but at least it's local. Mm. Yeah, it's true. He grew up in proper poverty. It was really hectic. You should read up on it if you don't know about it. And in the 1910s, he became a big success on the London musical stage and toured internationally with the Fred Carno Company. And on one of these tours in 1913, he got an offer to make movies for producer Max Dennett and then became internationally famous. One of the biggest film, not just film comedians, but film stars in the whole world. You know all this anyway, Alison, yes. I'm loving hearing it again. Oh, good. I love saying it. It was nice. Fred Carno, of course, played by John Thor in the film, was it? I hope I it, was. it was. Play- he was played by John Thor in the film. That's who I remember playing it. Dan Aykroyd played Max Dennett. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it surprises me that that film hasn't been revisited more because I mean, Robert Downey Jr. played Charlie Chaplin in that film. But anyway, anyway, so here we are, right? We're in 1931. And Chaplin, he's on top of the world. You know, City Lights coming out is one of the most anticipated cultural highlights of the year. You know, he's fated not just as an entertainer, but as a great artist. He's a huge figure. And he's back in London for the second time since going stratospheric. I sent you a picture of the premiere. Alison at the Dominion Theatre. You did. It's hard to see what's going on, but the place was just crowded out. It made me nostalgic for the times when you could stand closely to other people. <laughs> there were an awful lot of people standing together and the, they were going crazy. for It was like if One Direction walked down the street or something, a similar thing would erupt. It's like BTS were in town. It's exactly as if BTS were there. Yeah. Well, I've actually got a report here from the New York Times or for the New York Times from the <laughs> night of the premiere back in 1931. Do you want to hear what the New York Times had to say go ahead this chaplain he's a wise guy do you like my new york accent for this i'm gonna keep did they really say this chaplain is a wise guy or was that you just getting into the accent this, they didn't say this just chaplain's a wise guy that was your hook phrase that's my hook phrase to get me going on it <laughs> they could have exactly. sued him he's that. a wise guy. wise guy who is this guy right so certainly because this is how they talk in new york city so is your old man no, I can't do it. Certainly, Londoners left no doubt in Chaplin's mind that he is their hero. It might have been Armistice Night. Oh, Armistice Night outside the <laughs> Dominion Theatre. Oh, I love that that's their go-to yeah. for a time when people were out having a good time. <laughs> end of the war. It was like the end of the war. It was like Armistice <laughs> Night outside the Dominion Theatre where the film was having its first European showing. Thousands stood in the drenching rain. <laughs> Waiting for a glimpse, Sir Chaplin, and the police and ticket holders were helpless in the crush until he had made his appearance. Inside the theatre, hundreds crowded in to the front of the stage until they spied him shaking hands with Shaw and waving at the crowd. Oh, sounds a bit dangerous. And there you go, that was George Bernard Shaw. He sat next to George Bernard Shaw in the theatre. That was nice. Did he? So like I was saying earlier about the film being unusual, at the time, Chaplin is kind of an, an anomaly, yeah? I mean, he's still dressed as this kind of Edwardian tramp figure, whilst the rest of the film is just mm. all Art Deco-y, all Art Deco dresses. And... Yeah, that's it. It created his look and he was sticking it. Yeah. And it's hard for us now watching it to realise that that look was even... It was anachronistic even then. It's one of his, in inverted commas, greatest films. It's a film that I love, but actually... I rewatched it again the other day with my daughters. I'm not a huge, huge fan of the film. It's got a lot of dark elements and it feels quite distant and a bit too practised, perhaps. You know, he's spent a long time refining this film. But there's also all the heart 
string pullage that really continues to work today. It's like witchcraft. I'm a complete mess at the end of the film. Every time I watched it, even at the other day when I watched it with the girls, the tears are absolutely rolling down my cheeks. Oh, he really goes for it. He doesn't hold back with that. This is so sad. But it sad. works as well. Yeah, it. But I totally understand what you mean, though, with the... It's almost too refined, the later Chaplin films, for me. The earlier ones, you get the energy, you get the clumsiness, you get the silliness. The later ones, he's almost too good at it. He, he almost turns it into an art, and you can't laugh at art. Yes. Well, you can, but not in the same I way. I mean, this is one of the things that I think that made Chaplin fall out of fashion, certainly by when I was growing up. He wasn't a fashionable silent comedian like... Buster Keaton, but he had an amazing way of working. He said himself that he wrote on film, which is mm. kind of a weird statement until you look at his working practices. He ran his own studio. He was part of United Artists with Douglas Fairbanks and Mary Pickford, but he ran his own unit within that that was exclusively financed by himself and the profits from his previous successes. So he's wow. answerable to nobody. So for example, there's a key scene in the film where he meets the flower girl for the first time. And through a couple of just quirks of happenstance, she comes to believe that he's a wealthy man of means, yeah, as opposed to a tramp. The whole plot hinges upon that. Now, to get that scene right, he shot it about five different times over the course of two years. He shot about 342 takes of that. You know, people, we're used now with like Marvel films and shits that they do like reshoots all the time. He would do the reshoots during the shoot. He doesn't bother about waiting until the shoot is over. So, you know, a, a proper perfectionist. And that potentially is what makes the film seem at once incredible, but also incredibly rehearsed, incredibly refined. Yeah, polished. People yeah. shot silent films like that. It was kind of the norm, especially silent comedies, that you would start with a germ of an idea, you'd improvise around it, you'd build upon that, and you'd make things a bit more fluid and organic. Chaplin is the exception that he would use all that rehearsal time on film and then record it, sit back and watch it, go and reshoot it, record it, sit back and watch it, and just repeat that until he felt he wow. got to where he wanted to go on it. I mean, it's bonkers. Well, look, to take us out of this, one of the things I also love about Chaplin's films, and I said about it earlier, he composed the music for his film. He couldn't write music, so he would just go dum de dum de da and somebody would write it down for him. That was nice. <laughs> but I, I love the music in his films, and the music he uses in City Lights is beautiful. Most of it he wrote, but he also adapts a track called or La, La Vie Terra which is the theme for Virginia Cheryl's Flower Girl. I love the way he orchestrates that in the film. It's a beautiful piece of music. And I want to play another version of that, like a different version. Many recordings of this track exist. So I want to play a different version of that to take us out of City Lights. So happy birthday. Happy 90 years to City Lights. To do whack a do whack. Yeah. yeah. A lot of do whacking in that song, <laughs> to be fair. If you like do whacking, then that's a song for you. 2021's all about the do whacking. Right. So um, we're, we're not in 1931 anymore. Well, tell that to my wardrobe, Matt. All right, I'll have a word with it when I get the chance. Go and knock on its door and let it know. We're 65 years later now. Old. Um, yes. Although 25 years ago from today, we're in 1996. 1996, Alison. Strong year. You say strong year, but check out this for a strong selection of quality content being released in the UK, in the merry month of February 1996, we had heat. We had, what? We had heat. 
Heat. Do you remember Heat? <laughs> I do remember Heat, yeah. De Niro and Pacino. Pacino and De Niro. I remember the good bit in that film with Al Pacino. Was he improving in front of Hank Azera? Coming out with something that you can't say during the daytime on a Sunday. No, you can't say it on a Sunday. But it was a big thing back then, De Niro and Pacino. That was the first time they met on screen. Yeah, for the first time. It was like Mario and Sonic meeting. How can the screen hold them? Honestly, at the time, everyone was so excited. They really thought it was going to be like a battle of the two master actors. Will they kiss? Like, will they kiss? I hope so. Well, like when, I don't know, two magicians in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Christopher Lee and what's his face? Ian McKellen meet up and they're sending bolts of acting at each other. Like, oh, oh, just got hit by a Shakespeare quote. <laughs> it wasn't like that at all, really. It was just them going, oh, wada, 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 wada. You also had Desperado with Antonio Banderas and Selma Hayek. That's a really good just exploitation movie from Robert Rodriguez. Not seen that? I've not seen that. It's good. It's not fun. You had Alfonso Cuaron, the director of Gravity, Itu Mama Tambien, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. He had an early film out, uh, an adaptation of A Little Princess. That's a really good kids movie. Oh. Jumanji, the original Jumanji with Robin Williams in. Too scary. What was that film? What was that film? Train Spotting. Train Spotting was out in February 1996, and Kate Winslet and Emma Thompson in Sense and Sensibility. Oh, now that's a good one. Ang Lee, screenplay by Emma Thompson, won an Oscar. If you've not seen it before, watch that because it's a beaut. It's a beauty. If you need any more persuasion, then Alan Rickman is the best in it. No, we're not talking about persuasion. We're talking about Sense and Sensibility. That's very good. <laughs> a little bit of a literary joke for you there. Also, Casino, Martin Scorsese's Casino was out. You seen that one? Who's that guy? What's he saying? Who's that guy? Is that what happens in it? Brilliant. There's just a great scene where Joe Pesci and some other dude are outside a motel and they're being spied on by the FBI and it's just like, who's that guy? Who's this guy? Oh, it's very good, trust me. You know, I love Joe Pesci. Which one of those do you think we're going to talk about, Alison, in more detail? Uh, it's not going to be Sense and Sensibility, is it? Because that's the one that I really, really love and have seen. No, it's not going to be any of them. We're going to talk about Johnny Mnemonic. Ah. Johnny Mnemonic came out in the UK in February 1996. Had you heard of Johnny Mnemonic before I said Johnny Mnemonic to you? I think I'd heard the title, but it was one of those things that I was far too young to to watch so it was just you know whispered in the corridors of school as oh so and so's got a vhs of that blah 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 well look so we can familiarize ourselves with mnemonic let's have a listen to how they flogged this shiz back in 1996. good morning this is your wake-up call johnny mnemonic so yeah, 2021, that's now. So all this stuff's going to happen this year. Can you imagine? Well, all that stuff has already happened. I'm going to put a USB drive in my head. Via the ear, via the nose, you swallow it. How do you do that? How did they put it in the trailer? They bored it into the back of his skull or something. You put a little USB port in the back of your head. It doesn't seem like the most efficient way. I couldn't he have just shoved it up his bum, like getting to the Greek style. <laughs> up there. Probably. That would have been a much better idea, exactly. I think. Yeah. You could imagine Kenneth Williams or Frankie Howard in place of Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and the sound effects and the incidental music. <laughs> Carry on the monic. They're still chasing him, plus he can't sit down. So that would be a much more fun film. <laughs> He's got a little Chewbacca USB drive stuck. <laughs> Stuck up there. Get all my Chewbacca. And it's got some government secrets on it. He had to dump his childhood in order to make space for whatever they stuck in his head. That would mean like at least 211 megabytes or something. I don't know. That's probably quite a lot. 1996, back in the day. On the tagline, the poster has Keanu Reeves standing there looking down at you, looking all grumpy in a silver 90s suit. He's just staring at you. And the tagline was, meet the ultimate hard drive. Like Keanu's the ultimate hard drive. <laughs> Oh, I like that. He's no floppy disk. He's a hard drive. It's all yeah. a bit sexy, isn't it? 
Whoa. It's set in 2021, right? And they've successfully predicted that the internet is a complete mess at this point. Yeah, total tip. Well, that's just you because you keep on accepting all of those malwares that people send you. You just click away, don't you? Like, oh, add that to the toolbar straight away. Send me notifications. You don't have to do it. Just keep your computer tidy. I'm very internet savvy myself, right? Well, and also the other thing that this has got that we're fully familiar with, the big farmers, you know, they've got the cure to this shiz, but they're keeping it on the QT so they can charge people who to treat them instead of fixing them. So you've got the health industry and the big farmers mucking things up. I preferred farmers when all they used to do was plough the fields and scatter. Whatever happened to ploughing the fields and scattering? I see that. You're doing a double meaning. Big farmer actually being quite cool during this current pandemic and they've created these vaccines really quickly and worked very hard. I think our problem here is probably politics and nations hoarding when poorer nations, they need this vaccine just as much and they're going to catch the disease and pass it back to us if we don't vaccinate all over the world. Like hogging all the tissues for yourself but then letting someone sneeze on you. Exactly like that. An international version of that. Well, look, back to Johnny Norms. It's got a very interesting cast. you got Ice Tea. In the film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a bit of iced tea. He was good value for money. Dinah or Dina Mayer. You'll know her probably most from... Uh, in oh, What's it called? Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Uh, yeah, she's in that. Beat Takashi, the Japanese director, performer, game show host. Beat Takashi, he's in that. Henry Rollins and Dolph Lundgren is in it as a crazy long-haired creature. Yeah. And speaking of Dolph Lundgren, this film has also got dolphins in it. Better than Dolph Lundgren. It's got dolphins. Oh, wonderful. I think the dolphin saves the world. That sounds good. So they put the USB drive into the dolphin's blowhole <laughs> and he just takes it away, downloads it. I read as well, right, that in the original version of the script, the dolphin was supposedly hooked on heroin or something. That's just, it's just weird. <laughs> Well, that's always in all original versions of scripts. There's always a dolphin hooked in heroin. And that's that's usually the first thing to come out in the second draft. To be honest with you, though, Alison, after talking about it, I remember this film being absolutely dreadful. I remember it being really bad. I've seen it a couple of times, but I haven't seen it for a long time. And I tried to watch it and I tried to get you to watch it as well, but it's not available in the UK. Oh, dear. It's 25 years old this month. It's set. Now, in 2021, but you can't stream it. It's not available. Is that because of a conspiracy? Is it telling us too much about our current situation? And that's why they're suppressing the Johnny Namons. Is that why we can't see it? I don't know, but I'm just thinking the listeners are probably sitting at home thinking, why are we hearing about this? Why are we hearing about a film we can't see? (laughs) Well, exactly. Why? Just imagine what it'd be like. Check. There's a lot of clips online. You've got to check out. It's one of those amazing ones from the 90s where they're online and everyone's just going, tippity tappity tippity tappity I'm going to get into the security thing. Oh, yeah. Let's hack into the mainframe. Tap, tap, tap. Progress bar. Loading, loading. It's got amazing early CGI that's just bonkers. To use the internet, right, he has to put on these data gloves, which are like rubber gloves with circuits stuck to them. And he puts in a big saucepan visor on his face. And then he's in the internet virtual reality style. And to browse, he's got a grab shears. There's a bit where he has to do a password. And the password is actually like a Rubik's Cube triangle thing that he's got to go to try and fix to get into the bank or whatever it is he's trying to get into. Very odd. (laughs) I'd kind of like to revisit it now. I think maybe it's reached that ripe old age where... It's old enough for its camp value to shine through, perhaps. I don't know. From the clips you've seen of it, are you intrigued? Would you see more of it? Yeah, it looks fun. It's got that sort of future dystopia, maybe a little bit like Blade Runner or something like that, which which is fun because you don't really get so much anymore. That was a big flop when it came out in 82 and you needed to get to the 90s to fully appreciate it. Uh... I don't think that Johnny Demons is ever going to reach the level of, in inverted commas, classic 
that Blade Runner is. Maybe this year you championing this film will mean that it becomes a cult hit, finally. Well, I don't know, maybe it was back then, I don't know. No, it wasn't. It wasn't any form of hit, cult or otherwise back then. But maybe, right? Oh, maybe really? it's a film oh, that dear. was destined to just be downloaded <gasps> illegally. Straight into a USB drive in your head. That's what Johnny Mnemonic would have wanted oh, anyway. God. He would have said, bums to the man's, download the film. He just said, download it, the Johnny Mnemons. So maybe, maybe it was always destined to become unavailable and just become a downloadable meme. So that's your lot, Alison. That's what we've done now. So what have we learned about film history this month? Go from City Lights to Johnny Mnemons. Well, I've learned if you're going to set up your own film career, go the Charlie Chaplin route. Go the Charlie Chaplin Just route. take all the money. Take all the money, man. Take all the control. Be Somehow successful. do that. That's the moral. Be successful. Be successful. Yeah, that's the secret. Otherwise, you'll end up yeah. like Johnny Mnemonic. You yeah. can't even blink and see the okay. film. So be successful. Okay, Alison, be successful. Good advice. Okay, cool. Well, look, there we go. And that's our advice to you out there listening. Be successful. Nothing succeeds like success. Nothing succeeds like success. <laughs> mm-hmm. With that still ringing in our ears, it just remains for me to say thank you to Alison. Thank you, Alison, for a successful show. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. You've contributed massively to the success of this show. I wonder if I have as well. <laughs> also, thank you to Soho Radio for having us. And thank you to you for listening as well. I hope you will agree that this has been a roaring success. And we'll be back again in March and in the meantime if you want more property you can check it out on Soho Radio's website I think we've got like 1.5 years worth of episodes up there now that you can just go and deep dive into so that's an exciting thing there's a website there's a website yeah if you go online have you heard about this thing called the internet oh my goodness it's amazing it's this new thing we've got in 2021 just careful what you say on it and what you share because peeps are listening I don't know how to type into the address bar well you need to get your data gloves on so you can exactly yeah that's what I'm missing talking of missing you'll be missing us soon because we're about to go so you've been listening to Popteek and to take us out we have Yustag Bensinda. Yustag and Bensinda? I don't know how to pronounce that because it's by a group from Turkey called Alten Gun. So just listen to this and then you'll learn how to pronounce it much better than I can do. <laughs>